0: Welcome to Gray Awakenings, a podcast covering the gray areas of life. Hello, hello. Hi. Oh my God, why? (laughs) Um, So my name is Hannah Gray. My pronouns are she and they. And my fun fact of the day is I don't really like Disneyland or Disney World.
1: Oh no, here
0: it it comes. (laughs) Okay.
1: My name is Adrian Gray and my pronouns are he, him. And my fun fact for the day is I, sorry, I had a dream last night about having sex with Zac Efron.
0: Get
2: it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Amanda Drew. My pronouns are she and they. Uh, And my fun fact of the day is that my favorite flower is an orchid.
0: Mm I thought they're really hard to take care of.
2: They're so hard. I don't, I kill bamboo. Um. So, yeah, I'm not, you I'm should not get even a kidding.
0: You need.
1: You have to keep cactus. it, like, super wet, though.
2: The bamboo? Yeah. Because I was told I over-watered it, and it didn't, I don't know. I don't know what happened.
1: You should get a cactus. Nick you know what? I just feel like if I
2: killed bamboo, no. I, would
0: I kill a cactus? No. I kill everything green. That cactus behind you right there? Yeah. 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 Guess what? I've had that for, like six years maybe seven years like a cabbage i've probably (laughs) watered it
2: 20 times in six years see that's fantastic that's the type of uh, anything that i need i don't
1: know like if hannah watered it at all until hannah met me (laughs) probably not i started to water it and it started to grow a lot
0: (laughs) it looks the same to me than when i got it so i don't know about that (laughs) You out.
1: No, it's a lot bigger. I was going to
0: say, stop shaking your head and say something because no one can see you. (laughs) (laughs) Still trying to get used to this podcast thing. (laughs) Um, But this is episode four. Four. Oh my gosh. Episode Episode four. four.
1: Number four.
0: And we are going to focus on mental health today. Um, So, yeah, we're going to start off with some statistics. Do you want to start, Amanda? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Okay, so mental health is still a pretty stigmatized topic so just to throw some of that under the bus um, let's see what statistics we got one in five adults in the United States experience a mental illness okay it's 18.9 percent Uh, nearly one in 25 adults in America live with a serious mental illness which means that there's either hospitalization or some sort of disability, um, which depression is also the leading cause of disability worldwide. Mm -hmm. And it's a major contributor to the global burden of disease. There's also, uh, in the United States, 18.1% of adults live with anxiety disorders. 6.9%, 16 million of us, live with major depression Uh, 2.6% live with bipolar disorder, and 1 in 100, about 2.4 million people, live with schizophrenia. Now, these numbers are also uh, almost double for the queer community um, and higher for the trans community specifically. Um, So it's super important that we're addressing mental health, especially considering that... um, (coughs) A lot of our youth today, um, as many as 50% are dealing with a mental illness. And 50% of mental illnesses start by the age of 14. Three-fourths start by the age of 24. Mm -hmm. So adolescents are still experiencing mental illness at a much higher rate than adults, at least at onset. Um, I'd also like to point out that 26% of homeless adults staying in shelters, staying in shelters alone, not living on the street, um, live with serious mental illness. Mm. And that 90% of those people who uh, die by suicide have an underlying mental illness that could be treated. Suicide is also the 10th leading cause of death in the United States. Now, 60% of adults nearly 60 percent of adults with a mental illness didn't receive uh, mental health services last year and nearly 50 percent of youth aged 8 to 15 didn't receive mental health services last year Mm. Um, african-american and hispanic americans used mental health services at about half the rate of white people in the past year and asian americans at about one third of the rate now, all these statistics are coming from the National Alliance of Mental Illness. That's www.nami.org. Um, and they get most of their statistics from the National Institute of Mental Health. Okay?
0: Cool. I'm going to add a couple more, to that I found also on NAMI.org, yes. um, kind of more about the queer and trans community, uh, especially after our last episode. I think it's important to talk about this. Um, so queer adults are more than twice as likely as heterosexual adults to experience a mental health condition. Um, LGBTQ people are at a higher risk than the general population for suicidal thoughts and suicidal attempts. And 48% of all transgender adults report that they have considered suicide in the past 12 months compared to the 4% of overall US population. So we thought it would be important to start with these statist- statistics. Hard words. words. Um, because I think a lot of the times we don't hear these things enough. I think that um, mental illness is. Um, often shushed a lot and you like don't talk about you it. don't talk about it yeah mm-hmm. so it's like it's shameful quote unquote like I don't think it's shameful personally but society makes it shameful and um it's hard to talk about it's uncomfortable to talk about so we don't really hear these things mm-hmm. ever so I feel like that was a great start to a mental health episode mm-hmm. um and at the end, we are also going to share some um, lifelines and stuff like that. And I think that's a good way to end the episode. We're done. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> could you imagine? Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> We're done. Um, no. So, um, yeah. I think, like, it's important for us to talk about kind of, like, based on the prevalence that we just heard of mental health, like, how we don't talk about it. Like, how do we destigmatize it like how do we work past all these all the shame and all this just negative energy um I personally feel like
2: and this is personal for me um I just feel like there's less shame um around it number one once you start talking about it um anytime that you you give life to something that is inside you. Like if if you're thinking about something, um, if you're depressed, if you're having anxiety, that sometimes speaking these things um, is a release, okay? Which is why like therapy is always so effective um, when you have a good therapist who compliments you. Um, Yeah, and
0: we'll definitely get more into the therapy too. (laughs) Absolutely. So important.
2: But I do also think that there's less... Like the, the reason that people don't talk about it as much is less shame and more being afraid that they're going to like bring someone down or that they're going to be a negative Nelly or oh my God,
0: we need to talk more about this. Yes, yeah.
2: absolutely. Because there's not only a stigma that, like, oh, you're sick, but there's also the stigma like, uh, now you're no fun. And <laughs> like, just because someone has depression, just because they have schizophrenia, just because they have. Um, any any mental illness does not mean that they cannot be a positive person. It doesn't mean that they can't be fun. It can't mean it doesn't mean that they're not engaging, or intelligent, or funny, or that they that their lives just revolve around being sad. It's not a choice. Um.
1: And I think a lot like people are more afraid to talk about it because they don't want to. Um, they don't want their mental illness to be the definition of who they are because a lot of times like people be like oh well you have depression and they might like negate you for it or like if you take medication for your your mental illness and like if you do anything out of the sorts that might like um lead them to think that like you're saying this because you are depressed. They're like, oh, well, are you taking your meds?
0: Right. Exactly. Um. Yeah. I feel like we're in this culture right now, kind of you've already started touching on this, but of like removing toxic people from your life. And I think toxic is one thing, but someone with a mental health issue or a mental health struggle that um, is maybe relapsing right now or maybe in a really bad place with their depression or whatever they're going through. Um, I think a lot of people are associating these folks I was just touching on as this quote unquote toxic right thing that they need to remove out of their life. So I think what's happening right now culturally is that a lot of folks who do have like these episodes that might be more intense and might, or might not be, but it might be quote unquote too much and i hate saying that but you know that's that's the lingo that's being yeah Yeah. and it's like these people are just being thrown aside and not supported and that's not gonna make them better and it's not our responsibility to make them better but it's not doing any good you know so it's like this cultural thing right now of just like removing all these people from their lives and unfortunately a lot of these people are folks struggling with mental illness
2: yeah and I think that it's important that you said like that. Um, it's not our responsibility to make them better because it's not. It's never your responsibility to fix anyone. But <laughs> it is your responsibility if someone you care if you if someone c- you care about reaches out to you and you have the ability to support them. I'm not saying like that you have the the ability to like make all of their problems go away like because be that is ridiculous you know? yeah, yeah you don't have to be their counselor sometimes just sitting with someone and listening or um not judging when they talk about like what's actually happening in their head is is huge support is huge
0: yeah and, that and can even like ask them like what do you need from me right now and if it's too much like if it's not something you can handle because maybe you're struggling with your own own mental health issues or anything like that you can set a boundary up and do it in a way that's not throwing them away you know so it's like have a conversation with them what do you need the most right now and if you are up to that if you are in a good spot yourself to be that support for them then that's great and if not send them a resource um and like show them hey have you or ask them like have you seen your counselor or therapist have can you text them if you have that ability like can you email them like who can you get in contact with right now that can help you and support you better than I can um and I think there's ways to go about it like you said that are supportive versus you're too much for me buddy and like closing them out yeah absolutely you have a responsibility as a friend and a family member for the most part depending on the situation obviously to actually support these people if you call them friends you know especially yeah. like or support like it's just that's what being a good friend is it doesn't mean you need to that's go out on the line at and all
2: yeah you know what I mean like if someone exactly. if someone isn't um if someone isn't in a relationship like with me if I'm not if I'm in a friendship with someone it's a give and take and Mm -hmm. I you have to understand that and obviously there are going to be some things that you just cannot give and that's okay but uh, I do also want to point out that like people who have mental illnesses uh, speaking as a person who has mental illnesses um, that when I need to reach out to someone I do preface it with hey I'm in a weird place right now or I'm in a bad place or I need some guidance or I need help do you have the mental space to talk to me because it's not about me it's not all about me Mm -hmm. like I might need help but I can't expect help yeah
0: no for sure yeah I I love that um and also just in general kind of like, even the other day, I was, like, you were, we were talking about something, you know, and you were sharing some struggles with me um, uh, that you're going through. And then I kind of, like, noted that I wasn't doing too good. And you were, like, oh, do you want we can talk a different time. Like, that's totally fine if you're not up to it. And yeah. it's, like, continuously checking in. Like, you, once again, like, you don't owe anyone anything at the end of the day. And you're not responsible for anyone's actions. You're not responsible for anyone's, um, like, Anything, you know, like your responsibility is for yourself only. But um, I think, like, ideally in a conversation um, like we're talking about, checking in on the person like, is this still okay that we're talking about this? Or just saying, hey, I'm feeling like a little, like, not uncomfortable. I'm trying to think of a way to say, like, like, as
1: like a burden.
0: No, no, I think we should talk about that too. I'm talking about as the person. Giving support in this situation. So, like, if it becomes to this point where like you're not feeling healthy anymore, like maybe we can come up with some ideas. Like, how do we, how do we have that conversation? Like, I love you. I support you. You're a beautiful human. I'm so sorry you're going through this right now. Um, I really want to make sure you get the best support. I really want to make sure you're getting um, the resources you need who can I help you get in contact with? Because I want to be here for you, but I'm not necessarily in the best space right now to continue this conversation yeah. in the same way. I don't and know. I, th- I, that's sorry, Adrian, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> <We've> <laughs> sorry. Before
1: I okay. lose it. Um, like a lot of times like when you do get in these spaces it can be really hard for some people to like make that phone call to set up an appointment because like they're so shut down that they don't want to make any sort of effort to move forward to reach out for help so like if somebody is comfortable with you and like is reaching out for help but you're not able to like ask them can I call someone and set up an appointment for you
2: absolutely
0: yeah that's a great idea
2: yeah because not only does it like it's something small that you can do for them that will help but it also makes them accountable like okay now y- now it's your turn you take the appointment make sure that you're there like it's yeah. it's a way to, to make even both like, parties feel like ask
0: good. them hey can i come see you or can we meet up somewhere bring your computer bring your phone whatever it is and we'll set up an appointment together i'm yeah. um, not to go together but like you'll be there in to presence to up. hold them yes. accountability or yeah. hold them accountable <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. and um you kind of were talking about burden adrian i kind of want you to elaborate a little bit as that person like in that situation who might be struggling and who might feel like a burden you know
1: yeah i mean in any sort of situation like if i'm reaching out for help and stuff like sometimes I don't want to because I feel as though I'm going to be a burden or like a damper on somebody's day. And so I don't want to do that to them. And so that therefore I might not reach out for help it's because of the stigma behind it. And so we just really have to like break down what this stigma really is so that people don't feel so scared or that they're going to be a burden on somebody else to reach out for the sort of help that they really need
2: yeah i also want to point out that people don't feel like they're a burden if they have only been met with support yeah so people feel like they're a burden because they have been told that they are or that they will be Mm -hmm. or that something about their behavior is negative or wrong and so i think that it's important to also um get to the root of like why does this make people uncomfortable yeah like is it are you uncomfortable because you don't like sadness? Are you uncomfortable because you don't know how to help? Um, Are are you uncomfortable because you've never seen a schizophrenic episode? Like, all of these things are completely valid, but we still have to get to the root of them so that we can understand how to move forward and how to destigmatize these sorts of things.
0: Yeah, and it's also like, what does friendship even mean anymore? Because if friendship is this thing that... We can go out and have fun and drinks together. We can go to brunch together. But when shit gets serious, I can't have a conversation with you about it. Like, right. you know, like, is that like, I think we have to look at friendship in this kind of situation because it's like, why? And I think, I mean, obviously, I think it's a societal thing where folks feel like a burden during that. And like, um, and like, there's this positivity movement right now, which is great. Positivity is important, but absolutely not everyone's positive all the time like that's perfection and perfection doesn't exist so when and especially with social media you look on social media and all anyone posts is like the good stuff and um It's so hard to feel like you're not in a good spot, but everything you're looking at is great. You feel like, oh, I'm alone because everyone else is super positive. Everyone else is posting fun things. Everyone looks so happy Mm -hmm. on Facebook, on Instagram, (laughs) you know? So it's It's like, (laughs) and it's like, how do I fit into this? Where can I have space to deal with these emotions and these feelings Um, and what I'm struggling with in a society that only shows positivity for the most part, right? So,
2: like, I posted something on my personal like Instagram and Facebook the other the other day. I think earlier this week, um, where I, I woke up with a like full on anxiety attack, and I uh, so I posted on Facebook about it. Um, and yeah, I put a positive spin on it. <laughs> like, you you have to, you know what I mean? Otherwise, I'm just moping, and that's not that's not what that's not what my counselors have taught me. That's not what my therapists have taught me. That's not what years of dealing with mental illness has taught me is good. Um, but people commenting on it, like, oh, I feel the same way. You're not alone. And I, I knew I wasn't alone. But it's it's so that there's visibility for people who maybe can't post that. Yeah. Or don't see it.
0: And I love transparency online. Like, yeah. I, I'm also someone who posts, like, the shitty stuff too you know I'm not I don't try to look perfect all the time and I think it's so important to be transparent you don't have to be transparent if you're uncomfortable with it but I'm an open book so I don't care you know what I mean I do care what people think but at the same time I like to share and be transparent because I want other people to know they're not alone in their struggles so if they don't have the capacity like you were just saying to be vulnerable and post like Someone who is able to do that like us, you know, it's a really refreshing thing, I'm sure, for some people to read that.
1: I also think a lot of times, like when people post something um, negative and don't put that positive spin on it like you did. um, A lot of times people won't be like, oh, I'm in the same spot because they just feel as though this person's seeking attention.
2: Right. Right yeah absolutely and it's not maybe maybe it is attention that they're seeking and why is that bad yeah why is it bad to seek attention when you need help this is what we teach people this is what we teach kids it's what we teach um veterans (laughs) adults you know what I mean even in a workforce like if you need help just come ask Mm
0: -hmm. it's the same thing with your mental health and it should be yeah and I mean yeah I think that's a great point how people are like oh you're just trying to seek attention and like it's almost like no one really takes mental health seriously until something bad happens so if someone attempts you know if someone dies from suicide if someone if there's a school shooting you know like I'm not saying that's necessarily equating right no the shooting to mental illness in my opinion it's actually a societal problem but irregardless not gonna go into that right now um it's like until something bad happens no one talks about it and no one gives it attention and it's Mm -hmm. not the attention of like oh my god like we don't Let's need to do throw all these things, party. yeah. You know, Neither. it's like, like, how can we give resources and support to folks who are struggling? Yeah, like that's the attention they need, and like they're probably feeling super alone and like they don't belong anywhere, and they do, but it's so hard to see when you're in a rut, you know. So, yeah, that's a valid point, but I've it's hard that. when people do post negative all the time, it's hard because. At least for me, I'm very empath. I'm an empath. Oh my god, I tried to say empathetic (laughs) and it did not work. I was like empath. I was like, oh. Um, I'm an empath and I pick up on all energy, good, bad, ugly, all of it. And it's hard for me to see negative posts. But instead of me sitting there and I'm like, ugh, this is so annoying. Like today, I, I like commented on one of them. I don't know this person, but I just was like, you know what? If I was feeling like they're feeling, I would want kind of a a little, like, support, even from a stranger. Like, that would make yeah. me feel even a ping of good, you yeah. know? So, I, I'm just trying to, like, just start to, like, if I can, if I feel up to it, like, just throw in a little positivity towards, like, a person I see struggling on Facebook or Instagram. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, anytime that I see someone like that and, like, I don't ever really talk to them, but I enjoy their posts and stuff and they're like, oh, I'm having a really bad day today. All I write in there is sending you positive vibes with a heart, and that's yep. it. And you know, it's like I don't have to talk to them every day, but that just that little bit—it's just like this person cares about me, even though that they they don't talk to me every day.
0: Yeah. so sorry about the lawn mowing in the back. Hope, I'm not sorry. I hope about it's it. not picking <laughs>
2: up. But <laughs> no, yeah, I'm Aww. sorry. Um, positivity. Even okay. if you can't. Even if you. Um, even if that person didn't read your like i'm sending positive vibes as caring at least they are seen like even just feeling seen can be so powerful and also
0: that someone's showing up for you like you put this out and someone responds you know like that could even be enough support for some people yeah
1: yeah and i think that movement of energy is critical like yes not everybody may believe in the movement of energy but just like the words i feel like it sends a healing energy to them
0: yeah depending on the intentions of the words for sure mm. yeah absolutely definitely um i quickly just
2: want to talk about something that we do in our uh, team page yeah the whoosh. Yeah. or no no, no the, sorry, the heart that's something so, else sorry um, <laughs> So, Hannah runs a team page for uh, her pure romance business, okay? And um, in order to, like, make it an inclusive and, like, safe place for all of us, we have this thing that we do, which uh, I have absolutely loved, um, is if we are in need or um, are feeling, like, low one day or having a problem or we need just a little bit more support, all that we do is we post a heart in the group. And then people are able to, like, send you hearts or positive um, affirmations, affirmations yeah. or just tell you something that they like about you. Mm-hmm. And it is so refreshing because sometimes you just don't talk about what is going on in your head and it bottles up and then the next and day is worse. Sometimes you can't
0: put words to it either. Yeah, so like sometimes a you heart. Can't, yep. And shout out to Taylor Loreno who came up with this idea. Yes. Because it's fantastic. Yes um but yeah I love that it's like this little kind of like I can't talk about it but here just know I'm struggling and I need a little bit of positive energy I need that right. support right now but yeah, yeah I
2: love it and honestly I've I think I've done it like two or three times yeah, I've and done a few every times single too. time people have private messaged me Aww. some like someone has reached out and been like hey boo you okay mm-hmm. or like hey is there anything that I can do for you and just knowing that like there are people there is so so nice
0: and our um our like motto is human as fuck Yes. like we're fucking human as fuck yeah so yeah yeah i love it um maybe we should get into talking about like counseling um maybe not necessarily our personal experience yet um but just the idea of kind of like Removing this fear around counseling and therapy um, and also, like, sharing resources, too, of how to get a counselor or therapist if you don't have access to, like, extra money, you know. Yeah. Um, I definitely, like, want to talk about the importance of it, though, and the importance of shopping for a therapist and how you can break up with a the therapist. Like, all these different things um, I think are so important to talk about, for sure. Absolutely. So you want to start Absolutely. or mm-hmm. um whew, this is hefty yeah. so um
2: if you are struggling with a- anything actually therapists are fantastic for for all people even if you don't have a mental illness yep. um if you are looking for a counselor or a licensed therapist or a psychologist or a psychiatrist there's differences to all of them depending on what you need um, the first place that I would recommend, and I know that this is not an option for some people, is your general practitioner, okay? So if you were to go to your general practitioner, sometimes they can um, prescribe you medication. Sometimes they can uh, send you to resources. So they can be your first stop as far as um, getting resources. Um, a Another resource is NAMI, okay? So www.nami.com. Nami, N-A-M-I dot org. Um, and they have resources up on their website as well. Um,
0: Psychology Today.
2: Psychology Today also yeah, has it's
0: resources. It's psychologytoday.com. You literally just type in what you're looking for. You kind of fill out. Do you want to talk to
1: Yeah, I've used Psychology Today a few times. Um, basically, you just like type in your name, email, and then it gives you a list of things that Um, attain to you so like it can be your identity your sexuality um, the symptoms that you're dealing with and then it'll bring up a list of um, people in the area closest to you that specialize in those things and then it has a whole list of their profession where they went to I don't know if it's like where they went to school but it's like what they studied and for how long they've been in practice. like It just like brings up a whole list in bio on this person. That's and really then cool. r- you can set up an appointment right through the website and all of that.
0: Nice. That's yeah. really awesome. Yeah, psychology today is amazing.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. I got very lucky finding my therapist through my,
0: my GP. That's awesome. But that was I never even luck. Like knew you could. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah I think um, also kind of noting this fear fear apparently I like stuttered um, <laughs> which is fine it's fine I can it's breathe it's a scary that's okay. word it's fine um, <laughs> so if you like I feel like there's like this fear of therapy and I think that there's um, a lot of people who have maybe gone once and hated it and then never gone back but they like didn't realize that you don't have to go back to that same person so I think like talking about kind of like like I don't know just counseling and therapy in general as this journey it's not this linear journey it's something that just like kind of like a partner you know like you're if the partner's (laughs) not working out you break up with them you know like if if you don't vibe with your counselor or therapist like you can leave like you don't owe them anything so as someone kind of real quick who has like, been in therapy for over 10 years, I went to college, and I obviously couldn't see my therapist, so I tried out different therapists at my college, and I literally, like, was going through all of them, and I was like, which one fits best, and I was like, I've never seen a male therapist, so let me try, and I was literally like, cool, at least I get to talk to people, I get to get their different points of view, and I'm gonna try it all out, like, why not, you know, so it's not this, like, one-step process where you're automatically gonna fit in you might and that's amazing but if you don't don't let that scare you away because unfortunately I know so many people who literally are like nope counseling's not for me I'm like well how many times do you go like right. once or twice how many people have you seen one I'm like yeah that's why
2: yeah. I think it's also super important to note that like the first the first time that you talk about anything that you have been bottling up or that is deep-rooted and that you're trying to heal through, you are going to be raw. Like, raw as shit. <laughs> and it's going to hurt. And it's going to suck. And that does not make it any less awesome that you go. And it doesn't make it any less good for you. It's kind of like Definitely. like working out in general. Okay? Like, yeah, we all know that it's good for you. Yeah. But the first few times, you're like, oh, this sucks. I'm never coming back to this fucking gym. And you're
0: gym. so sore. Yeah. Because like, your muscles your aren't used times. to it. Yeah. Just
2: like your, your brain isn't it. used to talking about these things. It's not used to verbalizing these issues. So you're going to feel um, bad for a little bit. But it's so much better once you get through it.
0: Like get through that hurdle.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I also feel like a lot of people don't get a lot out of counseling because... Um, <laughs> sorry, my cat almost attack my foot um so a lot of people don't get a lot out of it because they feel as though they need to hide things from the counselor that they're seeing and that they don't want to talk to them about certain things because they're either aber- in- embarrassed. You <laughs> could be <embarrassed>. <laughs> a bear in a
0: embarrassed,
1: that they're embarrassed or um there's shame around it like I know that there's some things that like I don't necessarily talk about but I have to almost force myself to talk about it because I need guidance or help or just a different point of view or um what do you call those exercises to help me work through these difficult situations
0: yeah that's important And it's cool, too, because counseling and therapists, like, if they're good at their job, they should be giving you resources to look into. They should be giving you book ideas. They should be giving you exercise to try at home that are specific for what you're going through. They should be giving you all these things so you can um, have, like, support, you know, and have um, just this ability to do your outside research as well. But also... Depending on your situation, in most situations, I feel like especially with mental illness, um, I feel like counseling and therapy is going to help you develop an action plan for when you are in a very bad rut, when you are feeling suicidal, when you are feeling ow. The cat did hurt me just now (laughs) scratch (laughs) me when you're feeling attacked by your cat no just kidding um like all these different situations if you feel like you're gonna self-harm like all these different things um a therapist can work with you on an emergency action plan on an action plan when you're going through these things so it's really amazing to have that support of someone who knows what they're doing someone who's been through schooling someone who is prepared to help you it's so nice to have that resource Um, And I know it's hard at first and I know, but just like the gym, like literally I love that. I love the comparison because it's so true. The first few times are going to suck, especially if you started with someone, you decided you're not into them and then you have to start over. That's hard, but it's also cool. So like very side note, when I went to college, my counselor that i still see and i've seen her over 10 years i feel like now i gotta count for real though and um when i went to college she actually sent all her paperwork to the um counselors that i was going to work with at the college so if you can just like when you change doctors you know you can transfer the information yeah so i think people don't realize that and um so that way you don't necessarily have to have those conversations over and over and over again because i know that's very taxing and exhausting and hard and vulnerable so yeah, definitely absolutely Go to therapy yeah also therapy. I know there's definitely like resources to have like free therapy I know there is I just like off yeah. the top of my head it's not working but I know that
2: my 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 psych so I, I have a psychologist I have a psychiatrist um that I recently broke up with and I've uh been to a a licensed counselor as well as a family therapist um (coughs) who wasn't a licensed counselor Mm. but um and every single one of them worked with insurance companies Mm -hmm. in order to provide lower rates yeah so like my psychologist alone um i mean she normally charges 175, mm-hmm. and she works with my insurance company in order to bring it down to anywhere between like 25 and 50 dollars, wow. which is amazing. amazing. It makes it so much easier to go. Yeah, when you're not worried about a 175 dollar bill. And you can also call your covered. insurance company,
0: and ask them, hey, who is under the umbrella of what you cover? Um, unfortunately, yeah. my my counselor is not under my insurance, but yeah. she offers like um, depending on what your uh income is your household income is she Mm -hmm. like does that so it's like Like you gotta work with the counselors yeah Yeah. exactly and your
2: counselors are working with you too they're Mm -hmm. they're in this profession because they want to help people and they want to help you so i mean if you're transparent with them about any sort of financial issues that you're having that would limit your access to they probably services? have resources
0: to like i'm sure that som- they you do. know like you have to yeah. have this vulnerable com- vulnerable <laughs> i cannot talk to vulnerable <laughs> conversations with your counselor because they have resources to a million things too yeah. so yeah I and if they that. don't get a new counselor <laughs> yes
2: please
1: i also think cats are great therapy too oh
0: they yeah. are great therapy support therapy animals. animals yeah Aww. love it yeah love it so, um, do we want to segue into our personal stories if we're comfortable talking about them, or do do you think we're missing anything?
2: Um, I quickly want to touch on medication. Yeah. Just because, like, yeah. so many people are on medication mm-hmm. and it is still, like, <laughs> stigmatized. Yes. I know oh that yeah. we talked Very about Very stigmatized. Bef- we talked about like destigmatizing mental health. Yes. Um, but unfortunately, there there are actually few statistics on like how many adults are taking uh, any sort of like antidepressant or anti-anxiety medication. Um, But it is incredibly common.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
2: Incredibly common. And just because you need some sort of medication does not mean that you're not working on like being a better person or um, on dealing with your mental illness in another way. It doesn't mean that you're
0: dependent
2: um, and mm-hmm. if you're not on medication, same thing applies. It doesn't it mean
0: you're better than someone who is. Yeah,
2: absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, there are also tons of side effects to medication. Like mm-hmm. if you're on an SSRI, it's like summer ish now. <laughs> <Yeah>. We're <laughs> finally getting summery weather. Mm-hmm. Um, so if Where you're on an SSRI, you actually, uh, one of the side effects that's incredibly common that no one talks about is sweating way more than someone who's not on an SSRI Mm -hmm. so um an SSRI is a type of antidepressant which I'm looking up the acronym for right now because I think that it's important
0: (laughs) yeah someone's (laughs) Um, like
2: what's that yeah so an SSRI is a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor uh this blocks the reabsorption of serotonin in the brain making more serotonin available to you Mm. okay (coughs) pardon my my throat (laughs) um so and an ssri is mostly used for depression now so there's tons of side effects and uh, maybe that's why you're not taking um a medication yeah maybe maybe it does come down to finances Maybe it comes down to um, availability mm-hmm. of a psychiatrist or a general practitioner who will work with you to get a medication. There's tons of factors. Definitely. And taking or not taking medication does not make you any less valid. It does not make your mental illness any less of um, a like, thing in your life, like a thing that you'd have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to note.
0: Definitely. I think that's great. Yeah. I don't think we can talk about mental illness without talking about medication. So
2: we could, but then that would be bad. True. <laughs> we
0: could be jerks and not. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important. And I think a lot of the times people are nervous because they feel like this is a life sentence almost. Like if I start taking this, I'm going to have to take it for the rest of my life. But um, yeah. at least from my experience of talking to a counselor about this, they've always kind of explained it to me. Um, obviously, like, in this one perspective of, like, what I've gone through, you know, like, I can't speak for every single different facet of mental illness, but, um, a lot of my, or, like, my counselor has kind of explained it to me, like, this is to help you right now, and it doesn't need to be a forever thing, but until you can have these skills and, like, do these things on your own, it can help you through that, so it doesn't have to be a life sentence, but, um, it just depends on your situation too, but yeah. you don't have to look at it like that too, because yeah. it's not a bad thing. It's okay. Yeah,
2: and I'll I'll definitely talk more about that because I, um, it's part of like my personal story, mm-hmm. um, taking do you medication start and stuff. Uh, sure. Yeah, I could do that. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. But you gonna go? <laughs> I mean, you don't have to go first either. So. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, we should probably I probably talk
0: about these things before we start the podcast. <laughs> no okay. I like it this way I just way. like throwing it's people fine. under the bus I'm like here you go you go <laughs> um
2: so yeah let me so when I hmm, hmm how do we start this right. so <laughs> <laughs> mental illness has been like a lifelong thing for me so um I think I was I was probably like 10 or 11 when I first started um noticing that I was having like depression and anxiety um and it's um (laughs) this is harder to talk about than I thought that it was gonna be so um
0: we love you and we support (laughs) you I know I know and do the best you can it's okay
2: (laughs) um so I was probably 10 or 11 when I started noticing that I was like just more anxious or like um I don't want to say sadder than like the other kids, but I was definitely more morbid.
0: <laughs> or, like emotional. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, definitely more emotional. And that was something that I was like picked on for a lot, like being sensitive and emotional or like um crying too often. Yeah. Um so I think I was I was 15 when I finally told my mom like there's a actual <laughs> problem here. Mm-hmm um and I think I was I actually want to go back because I think I was I was like 12 when I started realizing that my friends were Mm self-harming I was 13 when I started self-harming myself Mm -hmm. um and I was 13 when my first friend um attempted suicide Mm -hmm. so starting young I learned that, like, mental illness was something that happened, but it was not cool, and I needed to stop talking about it, pretty much. Um, So, I was, like I said, I was 15 when I started talking to my mom about it, and she's, she's fantastic. Uh, Shout out to my mom, because, seriously, um, I, I think I was in a car, with her she was driving and i was like mom i just need help because i'm i'm sad all the time and i don't know what these feelings are and sometimes i think about killing myself and and that's a that's a really hard thing for a mom to hear um uh-huh. so right away she was like okay i'm gonna get you help we went we saw my general practitioner um who honestly well wha- uh, he was my pediatrician actually. Um, because I think I saw my pediatrician until I was like sixteen, and then, <laughs> um, he got me in touch with, um, my like very first therapist, um, and that's my psychologist today. Like, wow. <laughs> I know I we I seriously got so lucky. Yeah. Um, shout out to Doctor Judy if she <laughs> if she ever listens to this. I want you to know, <laughs> but um. Sorry about the kitty. in background. Our cats are really fl- naughty today. Yeah, the cats are like, woo! <laughs> so, um, I, because apparently they can't diagnose you under the age of 18. Oh, wow. Blah, blah, blah. I didn't know that. Yeah, or at least they couldn't when I was 18, yeah. so 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, or when I was 16, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, wow, holy hair. Yeah. uh s- cats are shedding uh <laughs> so um so i I wasn't like formally formally diagnosed with anything until I was like nineteen um and when I first went to the the therapist to to, to my psychologist um <laughs> I think it was like the third time that I went, and my mom was like, just give it a good go, you know, like <laughs> just try my mom had been um to therapy before um, when she was younger. So she was like, it's going to suck just yeah. to do it. And like, she, she let me know way uh, like nice ahead of time. It was so nice. Yeah. It was so nice to have, like, like... a pep talk. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Amanda, this is going to suck. Are you ready? Because we're going to do it. Yeah. And um, so, I mean, she'd take me out of school. and We'd go to a, an appointment for an hour. <laughs> and then I'd get back in the car. And I'd start crying hysterically because everything is raw Mm -hmm. you're just completely open and vulnerable and these things that i hadn't even talked to myself about were now suddenly coming up in front (laughs) of a, a practical stranger yeah um so i mean i went twice a week for uh three months before she would move it down to once a week and I think it took me about three months in order to be like, okay, I'm not crying and like missing out on school every time yeah. that I, I have. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was you you don't want to go to school mm-hmm. when you're having a panic attack in the car, in, like in the parking lot. So, um, so it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. um, and I saw her until I went to college at 17, and um, by then I had been on. I had been on an SSRI for a year and a half, and and it, when I did start taking uh, medication, it was after almost a year of therapy, oh yeah. so so we spent a long time, like, trying to deal with my issues just in therapy mm-hmm. and not with medication, um, which was fantastic. I didn't really want medication, uh, honestly, like, drug abuse is really prevalent in like both sides of my family. Um so I knew that, you know, if there was something that I could get addicted to, I probably was, and I was already like smoking cigarettes and drinking alcohol and uh various other things. But um so I knew that I didn't want to like add to that. Yeah. But after a year of like pretty much weekly therapy sessions, um, it was explained to me like the same way that you said, Hannah, that this isn't a life sentence. You're going to, um, you're going to take this. We're we're gonna give it two years max, and then we're gonna take you off of it because this is just to reset your brain. You're still an adolescent. This is not how you're gonna be forever. It's a blip in the r- the radar. Oh, yeah. that's a fantastic! Makes me feel so much better. So I took it for like five years <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> before, um, before I kind of realized that I didn't feel anything, like. I didn't feel happy, and I, I felt depressed sometimes, and I still wanted to kill myself. But like, I had lost everything else. Like yeah. I didn't. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel attached to people. I didn't like On the
0: medication. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Mm-hmm. I didn't like going to my classes. I didn't like. I didn't like anything. Mm-hmm. Like friends, I lost a lot of friends because I just,
1: You're just a completely zombie. detached.
2: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, and when i when i finally talked to i think it was i think it i think i was at a uh college counselor at that time um we decided to slowly get me off of it and that was that was nice to like be free of it for a little bit um i went a couple more times after college to like my therapist and then she was kind of like you know what you're pretty fantastic uh We're barely talking about anything. It was 20 minutes of us, like, talking about a trip to Ireland that she took. You know what I mean? Like, we were, I was talking um, much more openly about my issues, and I was handling things a lot better. Uh, So, it was just not so necessary that I see her anymore, which was fantastic. I was like, I'm finally, like, graduating. (laughs) (laughs) Graduating from from my mental illness. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise, bitch. On <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> birth. <back. laughs> so, uh, um, I still had like bouts of depression, but I knew wh- I knew how to handle it. You know what I mean? Um, and when, um, I think. Yeah, it was actually right after I had my son. So, uh, 2016, uh, I don't even know how old. I was 25. Yay, let's work <laughs> on this. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when I was 25, I had been off of medication for four years. And um, when I got pregnant, I talked to my OB. And I was like, listen, <laughs> I got a real history with some mental illnesses here. So I know that like um, postpartum depression, PPD is going to be r- real. Yeah. I know that this is coming for me and I'm ready. I have a therapist. Like I just laid it all out. Like I have all of these resources in front of me and I know how to use them. So please don't take my baby away <laughs> like, yeah. because PPD is real. Mm-hmm. And if they feel like you're a harm to yourself or your child like that's a very real possibility so um so i made it clear <laughs> like at the first visit <laughs> yeah, that's really smart yeah um and then like three months after Issa was born so at, at the three-month checkup they actually do a checkup on mom as well so wow. as l- on the birth parent um where they make you fill out a questionnaire which is pretty basic like do you ever want to harm yourself do you feel frustrated with your uh, new infant um you know how often do you feel sad or lonely like basic yeah. um depression questions and and I flagged you know what I mean L- I was like yeah uh, yeah I feel lonely all the time yes I'm ups obs- I'm absolutely frustrated yeah mm-hmm. uh, sometimes I do want to kill myself thanks for asking and um so, the pediatrician even talked to me like, "Hey, so you flagged for postpartum depression?" And the look on her face when I was like, "Yep, I know, absolutely, I totally did." I'm smiling through it because, like, that's how I handle yeah. <laughs> my my mental illness. Apparently, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and sh- she looked at me like. Like I had thrown a brick at her or something. <laughs> <laughs> <She's> <laughs> like, like, wow. <laughs> this isn't usually how I'm addressed after I tell someone they have postpartum depression. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs>
0: like yeah, I'm
2: self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I already made a call. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I think like a month after that, I got in and with um, with my psychologist that I had seen when I was an adolescent, and. and and it's so weird so weird making a phone call and being like hey so five years ago you treated me and i don't know if you remember but can i make an appointment again so weird like i don't even know if (laughs) uh, Well, i mean when you see someone once a week for Mm -hmm. for years or once a month for years like you should remember them yeah (laughs) but uh but, you know, as a person with mental illness, you're like, they're never going to remember me. It's I'm never going to happen. I'm not yeah. special. Yeah. You know, or I'm a burden and mm-hmm. they probably just tried to forget. Um, so I remember getting a call back like Amanda. Oh, my God. It's been it's been a long time. I still have your chart. I still think about you. Like, how are you doing? Did you finish school? Like, Aww. what's going on? Yeah. Was like, like a reunion. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> and the first okay. session was definitely like Catching It was up. yeah, it yeah. was like talking to an old friend, which is really amazing that like someone someone who I pay to help me <laughs> deal with like mental struggles is um it's just so cool. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like to be able to vibe with someone is really amazing uh but so i started i started seeing her and she was like uh okay so because you're dealing with postpartum depression we really need to get you to see a psychiatrist or talk to your general practitioner because medication is really the best way to deal with this because yes. ppd is um uh what how did she describe it of, like volatile almost yeah. so like um PPD is a whole different type of depression so um you might be okay and then suddenly you are very not okay yeah. and n- like neither is your life and neither is your baby at some points mm-hmm. so um so i within like a week i had an appointment to see someone and um my psychiatrist was very like okay what are your symptoms Awesome fantastic do you ever have these uh, Side effects okay yeah no I don't Really want to hear about your emotional stuff Going on okay yeah this is the Drug you're gonna take so he's very He was a, a, which was great point. which was yeah. great for me I didn't want to talk to him about yeah, shit yeah, yeah. Like I wanted to be like these are my symptoms Can you give me drugs mm-hmm. yeah <laughs>
0: <You're
2: helping laughs> like, <help> me <laughs> Right Like I got Judy to talk about Like my my mental Stuff yeah I need you to Just give me the like, give me the meds your job. Yeah. Yes yeah I didn't want anything else, which was fantastic. Um, and so I started taking um, another SSRI, which was slightly different than the SSRI that I had taken before. Cause I was like, I don't want to be a zombie. Yeah. I know that I became one and it's just not, that's not how I want to live. Mm-hmm. So um, we did, we got me on an SSRI and I continued seeing Judy Um, and I think within like six, seven months, uh, I did stop going and seeing Judy, uh, my psychologist because like the, the meds were working, you seem better. We're, you know, again, just talking about, (laughs) you know, bullshit stuff. And, um, and I do want to point out that like I think it was like two months into getting on my SSRI, which it can take like four to eight weeks in order for your SSRI or your MAOI inhibitor. If you have depression, Um, actually most mental health uh, medications it takes this long to build up in your system, unless you're taking like Xanax, something that's fast acting. Mm -hmm. Um, So it can, it can take a while to actually see results. And the about about eight weeks after I had taken um, started taking my SSRI again, um, I actually had like a very real like suicidal ideation moment where, and I've never been so close in my life, and I had to make Mike my partner stay home with me the next day on suicide watch like just don't let me touch anything like can you take care of isa for a little bit and isa was seven months old at the time yeah. so it was like i still had to help out a little you know and like Definitely. be there but um the ability to like ask my partner to like hey i'm not feeling good right now i'm thinking some really bad things i called him when it happened um i was actually driving and um and I was like, I'm in, like, this 3,000-pound vehicle that uh, has every potential to kill me. So mm-hmm. could we just, could you talk me through this one? Because I probably would not have made it home if he hadn't been there for me.
0: Yeah. I'm glad you have him.
2: Yeah, me too. He's a good one. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I still deal with mental health issues. Um, I'm currently not seeing, like, currently um, not seeing a psychologist, I broke up with my psychiatrist. Um and I got off of my SSRIs because again, I was a zombie. Yeah. Um but uh when I was talking to my psychiatrist about it, the one who prescribed me the medication, he uh he gave me a very like textbook diagnosis like oh yeah you're you have major depression you're having major depressive episodes you also have some sort of uh, generalized panic and anxiety disorder so you've got all of them and you're gonna have this for the rest of your life so you're probably gonna have to take medicine for the rest of your life in order to regulate your your brain um which i was like <laughs> no like (laughs) Like, if you could find me a magic drug that doesn't give me these like insane side effects then fantastic yeah um otherwise it's not gonna it just wasn't gonna happen for me Mm -hmm. um so so here i am no no medication still dealing with anxiety and depression and some forms of panic um but I'm here. So that's cool. Okay.
1: Want to
0: go next?
1: Sure. Um, so my
0: also, real quick, thank you so much for your vulnerability.
1: Absolutely. Of course. You're amazing. Of course. I
2: think it's important to be vulnerable because if you're not, then people don't know that others go through it, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: And plus, I feel like a lot of people, like, once they hear that story, they can relate to it, especially, like... With a variety of listeners, like, going through, like, pregnancy and all that other stuff, especially with mental health, like, pregnancy does a lot of stuff to your body.
2: The hormones alone are insane.
1: Yeah. So, like, having someone to relate to and, like, hearing that story and knowing that, like, you came out on a better end and that you're taking care of yourself like that can be inspiration to them all that so thank you
2: even when i'm not taking care of myself like right now i would consider myself like not doing the best at taking care of myself but even now I, i think about when i was 16 or 17 Mm -hmm. with little to no resources Mm -hmm. and i'm like holy shit what would have happened to me if i didn't have those or what would have happened to um me had i not been able to speak up to a parent or not been able to Mm. talk to friends about this yeah and so it's super important
1: absolutely it's awesome
2: yeah i want to hear yours
1: so my kind of experience with mental health um It's kind of been like a whole variety of things. Um, I started to kind of like notice when I was probably around the same age, you know, the 12 to 14 range. Um, And it was a lot of like more depressive stuff, um, just feeling really alone and having suicidal ideations and even one suicidal attempt, but I was so shameful and so scared to, like, say anything to anyone um, because I didn't want to be a burden and just to all of that. Um, I w- have always been super close with my mom and all of that, um, and I don't know, like, I'd, I didn't want to have to... Have her struggle with me knowing that I'm struggling. Because um, it was a single family home, three kids, and our dad lives all the way in Mississippi. And so it's like really hard to kind of like keep up with all of that. And she's taking care of all of us. And so I didn't want it to be like another thing for her to have to worry about. And I know, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, just tell me, you know, and, and once I did, and it was after my suicide attempt of, you know, that I was, like, it was one of those attempts where it was, like, I'm super scared and I actually want to live, but I, you know, I don't know what this is going to do, but I'm going to try it anyways. Um,
2: Yeah, I can understand that. So,
1: it it was, like, super unsuccessful, um, and so I... I feel like all the conversations are always like we're in a car, we're driving.
2: I don't know what it is about cars, but we should be driving more often. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs>
1: we'll just start driving during our podcast. That sounds. We'll we'll have like somebody drive us. Okay, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that sounds like a like um, a danger box on wheels. Like it's yeah. not. But I think, like, the first conversation that we ever had, it wasn't even, like, about mental health. It, it was more about, like, sexuality. Because um I'd posted on Facebook, you know, that I have something to tell someone, but I don't know how. And my friend had talked to my mom about it and was like, I don't know, Adrian's, like, posting this stuff on Facebook. You might just want to have a conversation. And uh I was... I had to have been 13, um... And that was, like, when I came out as quote-unquote bi because I didn't know what else. And, like, that was the easiest thing to come out as because, you know, at that time, I still identified as female. And so, therefore, if I was still into boys, it would be more acceptable to come out as bi rather than just to come out as lesbian. Um, And so, like, I... My mom, like, brought it up, like, we pulled into a park, and we're, like, sitting in the car, and she's like, this happened, you know, can can you elaborate on it? Like, don't be afraid, you can talk to me, you know, there's nothing to be shameful about. And I just, like, broke down in tears, because, like, we never we never talked about sexuality, and that wasn't, like, a large topic, especially in the community, either. And so all I've ever heard um, in different states is, like, people being kicked out of the house. And so, like, I knew my mom wasn't going to do that to me. But, like, there's always that possibility because I never knew how she would react because we didn't talk about it. And so I'm, like, bawling my eyes out. And then I finally let it out. And she's like, okay, I mean, I basically already knew, and, like, that's fine. Like, it's not a big deal. But, like, as time went on, like, that... it I feel like coming out and, like, my sexuality and all that stuff and, like, getting picked on by kids at school... Sorry, my face is really itchy because I've like been petting you. the cats. Aww. Um <laughs> So, um... I just feel like I have hair everywhere, plus I'm sweaty, so <laughs> like it's, I feel Ooh, like it's sticky to me. Sticky yeah. cat hair. So um, as time went on, I feel like my sexuality kind of played into um, my mental health because I was scared, and so like it produced a lot of anxiety for me and a lot of depression because I felt like I was alone. I was the only openly queer person in my school at that time at all. And so Mm -hmm. like people kind of avoided me and like I lost a couple of friends because of it and like they just thought that like I not that I was like a predator, but that like I had a crush on them and they didn't want to they didn't want to be friends with me anymore because
2: Suddenly, what if they hit on me?
1: Yeah. Yep. And they were like, I don't want to deal with that awkwardness and so they avoided me. Um And so I just, I felt so, so alone. And so, like, that's where my depression started to come in. And then I I had the suicidal attempt. And um, I feel like it was even a couple months later, after I had attempted, that I finally told my mom. And we just legit broke down crying um, together. And I didn't necessarily seek i didn't really seek out help at all um i had um meetings with not i don't really know what their role was at the school but like they were someone that i could talk to like a like Like a a counselor counselor. yeah yeah like i i had someone that i could talk to there um and then as time went on i didn't really have to talk to them anymore and i was like doing all right and then halfway through high school, I kind of started feeling alone again. Um, like I didn't really have anyone to talk to. I had a lot of school friends, but I didn't hang out with people a lot outside of school. And so um, that I guess that was kind of hard because I still felt alone and I didn't get out very much. Um, and so I started talking with the social worker that we had at the high school. And I really liked this lady. And because of the contract that the school had, they had to switch out the social worker once a year. Mm. So after that year, she was gone, and they bring they brought in another social worker. It was so it was really weird. Policy, yeah. It was really weird. Um, and I didn't like the next person that came in, and I. Did not like the, there was one guy that was regular, like he was a regular person there, but he, w- I couldn't take him seriously. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he, he was this, think Dr. Phil, but much shorter.
2: All right. All
1: so right. a yeah, mini okay. Dr. Phil with circle glasses.
2: As a teenager. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I could not talk to him whatsoever so um i i talked to the person that like interchangeably came in Mm -hmm. um which was fine and all but like i constantly the only way that i ever worked through any of my mental illness was by working you know i got a job at 15 i was working on bicycles i was constantly over at this guy's house and um It was kind of a weird situation. He was probably not the best person to be hanging out with either. Not so much like drugs and stuff, but like he was a little bit pervy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was a little bit weird. Um, There were things that he had said to me as I started getting older and I started to develop and go through puberty that were like... Cringy. Yeah, you shouldn't say that to me because you're 40 years old and I'm only, you know... 15 so um I got out of that and I started just working in food service and all of that and I would just like go to school I'd go to work I'd come home I was like closing at McDonald's so I wouldn't it technically like wasn't even legal but like I wouldn't get home until two in the morning and then I would have to go to school the next day so you were, that just, was
2: you were just school, work, focus, focus, focus. Yeah. yeah,
1: and that was it. And, like, I had a lot of friends at work and stuff, and so, like, I hung out with them in my free time, if I had any. And it wasn't until um, just before I met Hannah, actually, or I had just met you, because you, you had recommended um, a therapist to me, and so I started to go see them and talk to them about stuff. And it, at first it was just to get papers to get my top surgery. And then it just kind of like turned into um, a lot more. Because like, well, I'm going to
2: stay here and talk for a little while. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. like
1: I had just gone through a very traumatic experience um, with a former supervisor. Yeah. Um, which wasn't healthy at all and so like i didn't realize it at first either like i didn't even consider it as being a sexual assault wow yeah i because i was like coursed into you know fed drink after drink after drink after drink and then almost right. to the point where like i'm at blackout and like i would wake up here and there um to things happening yeah. um But I didn't equate it to being sexual assault because it was...
2: Because you were drinking.
1: I was Mm -hmm. drinking and at first it was consent and then I was passed out.
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: But because in a small, little, cutesy, innocent town, we didn't talk about sexual assault or rape or any of that stuff. And of course nobody around me is going to talk about that either. Yeah. Because it was shamed
2: that's also extremely common as yeah. far as like um like intoxicated sexual assaults go mm-hmm. that people don't realize um that what happened was assault yeah or that they you know um
1: cuz i was basically just a limp body after yeah
0: w- you can't yeah. have sex with someone who's passed out and got yeah. drunk it's not consensual no
1: yeah yeah Yeah. so um i apologize if that's very triggering for a lot of people um but that is kind of like part of my journey and so like having known that was something that happened to me and learning more about it 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 made it hard to want to exist in the world yeah and so like i was still working at the same place the supervisor was already fired when it happened. It was the night that he had gotten fired. Like we went over there to go make sure that he was okay because all he had was that job. And, um, but I was still working there. I worked there for a couple months, even after that. And so it was like every single day people would talk about him because he was like a super drunk, crazy dude. He would come to work drunk. He would do a bunch of stupid stuff and, like there were a couple times where like i'm this little tiny dude and he's like six four and jacked and he would like come over and like quote unquote play punch me but he's like punching me pretty freaking hard because it's what guys do
0: i'm pretty sure you worked there for like another year
1: it was a long time Oh yeah, even after it happened. So, like, I yeah. lived with that, knowing I had to change my phone number, I got a flip phone, I got off Facebook. I, like, everything possible. And, you know, I had to take care of myself. Yeah, because absolutely. I was just devastated that I felt like I let that happen, even though technically it's not my fault. Right. Yeah, and it's definitely not your fault. Yeah. I know
2: that, you know that now, but yeah. hearing it is
1: but that's a that's a form of shame that a lot of people hold on that sort of stuff and so i finally left there after i i had gotten my top surgery um because i had a month off well two months off to find a new job and go somewhere else and so on a whim, I just went to a debt collection agency, and it was terrible. And I was, like, still going through, like, panic attacks, and, like... um I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to do anything. I was shameful about my body because I felt like I was kind of, like, letting it go. I was gaining weight, and I would like... I wasn't comfortable with the way that my body felt anymore. And... um I was three months into that duck collection place and I left. I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I can't. And uh, from there, I jumped around a couple different jobs, which was fine and whatnot. But it wasn't until I started working overnight and I was totally fine. I was doing all right. And then it got to a point where it was like, I'm not hanging out with any of my friends, I'm sleeping all day. I'm not getting enough sleep. I, um, I wasn't, I wasn't taking care of myself in any way, and in order to, in order to help me keep the job and continue going, I had to form an addiction, and so I was like smoking pot. Every day when I woke up, when I went to bed, while I was at work and I was welding, like that is some seriously dangerous stuff. Like, we're working yeah. with cranes, there's forklifts going around, I'm carrying things that are a hundred pounds, there's things on my horses that are a thousand pounds or more. And if that falls off, and because I'm under the influence. A, I can lose my job and any job that I'm ever going to get as a welder. But B, if my reaction time is completely off because I'm under the influence, I can get seriously hurt. Right, I could die.
2: Or someone else. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And so I knew at that point, with my depression so low, like I was secluding myself from people. Um, Hannah and I's relationship was not doing the greatest because we weren't sleeping next to each other we were on opposite shifts we weren't able to talk and as my depression got worse and worse i didn't like i didn't even want to be around hannah and so like that's hard like if you don't want to be around anyone even your partner like how alone that is like that's that's really hard and so I knew that I needed to start seeking out a counselor and so I I sought out a counselor but it helped to an extent but you know continuing that overnight even with the help yeah I said that yeah Yeah. um (laughs) it even with the help it was still really bad just because I was on the overnight and I didn't feel as though. I had community in any way, shape, or form. My suicidal ideation started getting really bad, and very similar to yours, I there were times while I'm driving that I'm like, I'll just steer off the road, yep, like unbuckle exactly. my seatbelt, go 100 miles an hour, I'm done. Yep. And. So it's just, like... And it's simple things like that. And so when I started expressing that to my counselor, she's like, you may want to consider doing, like, an outpatient thing. And so I had to talk to my supervisor. I had to talk to HR and be like, I'm going to be out for, like, two weeks because I'm extremely suicidal and I need to go to outpatient. And so I was an outpatient for, like, two weeks doing... It's... To me... It feels like when I very first started going, it felt like it was an adult daycare, essentially. Like, you're only there from 7 a.m. until, like, 2, I think it was. It wasn't very long, but it was during the day, which is why I couldn't work, you know. Um, And you have a psychiatrist there that you meet with. They were also doing drug tests for me um, to make sure that because you're not allowed to use any form of drug or alcohol while you're there. Um, So they were drug testing me while I was there to make sure that I wasn't using any sort of marijuana. Um, But as time went on, because you're put in, like, there were three rooms there, and you're put in a room with people, and people are constantly rotating in and out um, because they're on a different two weeks than I'm on but the group that I ended up being in was absolutely amazing like there was such diversity in it the people in there were amazing they were super supportive and so like meeting these new people and feeling like I had a group that I can open up in um, and there's a constant check-in every day and they give you skills that you can use outside of outpatient and all of this stuff to like really help me um get through my day and like be able to go back to work and know that things are going to be okay really helped and i also like opened up to my family about it because like i had to tell them that i wasn't working for those two weeks as well because we were trying to start up a family company and the family company was also kind of like taking off. Um, so they, they needed to know my schedule and if I was going to be out for two weeks, they had to know too, but yeah. opening up to my family was amazing as well. Like, they're like, it, Do you need anything? Is there anything I can do? Like, we love you, all of this stuff. And so, like, that was super awesome too, to know that, like, I had the family support. Um, so I think, like, having someone in the family to be open and honest with as well is pretty crucial. So, yeah, I feel but like
2: anytime that you have someone that you is like, in your immediate circle that you can open up to it's always helpful mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah but like that was my most recent episode and i've been seeing this counselor um we're probably close to a year now um and she's absolutely amazing i love going to see her That's awesome. um just like getting different points of view on things and like being able to talk about things that I wouldn't necessarily talk to myself over the course of the month that I don't see her. Um, Because I don't feel like I take enough time to self-reflect a lot. And so to have a uh, scheduled time that I'm seeing someone and being able to do that self-reflection really helps.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So... I just, before before we finish up with you and move on to Hannah, I just want to mention that um, one of the statistics that I kind of glossed over earlier, um, I didn't actually talk about it, um, is that 10.2 million adults have a co-occurring uh, mental health and addiction problem. So it's completely normal for people who have mental health il- illnesses um, to... Look for something that is going to help, whether that's alcohol or marijuana or benzos or whatever your yeah. addiction of choice is. Because um, it just
1: numbs it. Absolutely,
2: and sometimes that's <laughs> sometimes that's what you're looking for when you're mm-hmm. looking for a quick fix and oh yeah, you want to die. Numb is better. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Anna, do you want to share? Sure. Thank you, Adrian. Yeah, thank for you for sharing.
0: Good job, babe. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't know. So my story is pretty different. I feel like, um, I guess I didn't really know until I got, I don't know. It's so hard looking back and you're like, what was I thinking? Um, but I never in my life was okay. I guess I could easily say that. Like, um, I have had multiple like, sexual abuse situations in my life by many different people. So, like, started when I was, like, four, and then my next time was 14, then 16, then 18, and then 20 through 22, basically. Um, so, basically, my whole life is just, like, the scattered sexual abuse. So, um, I guess, like, I never really thought my body was my own. I never really had, like, personal autonomy. I would, like, hide myself. I wouldn't, I'd, like, I just wouldn't be present, I guess. I just, I don't know. I just kind of, like, floated through life, I feel like, and um, tried to keep myself extremely busy. Um, That was my way of dealing with it before I kind of accepted what happened and stuff like that. Um, I did... I don't know. So um, I don't know. So <laughs> I'm like oh, uh so my struggle with mental illness is uh PTSD from said sexual abuse, and I have many symptoms under the umbrella of PTSD, um, which include depression, anxiety, um, some OCD tendencies, stuff like that. Um and My struggle has just been having this baggage almost just like trailing me throughout my entire life, and like just the shame and the guilt surrounding it, and the self blame and all that stuff. I've just never felt a lot like enough. I never felt like I was, I always thought I was the person to blame, like, I always was. Just a bad person, but deep down inside, I knew like I didn't deserve this. But at the time, I just I don't know. So um, yeah, I guess without getting into too many details of those, because I feel like we can do a whole episode about PTSD and sexual yeah I feel like we can too yeah if you
2: don't want to delve too far into it that's yeah exactly if you do and it's going to be therapeutic for you um, or you feel like it's pertinent. Right now, you know what I mean? Then it's I not like we can't do it twice.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't wa- I just don't want to do, like, specifics, I guess. Um, That's fine. That's but okay. So, like, with this, like, PTSD, like, obviously it started when I was four. And then I've had it the rest of my life. And it's always going to be there. Like, I can't get rid of it. But it's just, like, been. I've been dealing with this re-traumatization over and over again. And, like, I remember being so like so 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 scared after I realized there was a pattern Um, I think I was maybe 19 Um, I was in college I was going to therapy I think I started therapy when I was 16 no 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 16 17 I don't remember but my mom found my therapist through a church and I actually still see her Um, nice even though yeah and I always was very nervous talking about certain things because it was affiliated with the church But I one day told her, I was like, I'm not comfortable talking about God right now. Like I, or, and I just prefer if you didn't say anything about it like that. And I've been raw with her. Like, I feel uncomfortable talking to you about these things. And she's like, you're safe too. So like, I've built this relationship with her, um, over literally, I think, yeah, it's been 10 years since I've seen her. So, um, which is great. So basically, uh, (laughs) I don't know. So, um, okay. So when I was in therapy, I was like, I forgot what I was saying. Um, I like realized this pattern that was happening. So when I was 14, my abuser was my boyfriend. His name was Nick and then 16. So two years later, Keith, um, and then 18, um, Nick. So it was 14, 16, 18, Nick, Keith, Nick. So I'm like, cool. When I'm 20, I'm staying away from anyone named Keith. Like, I literally felt like I was being followed by this dark shadow, and I it was going to happen again. Yeah. And it was so scary, and um, I had so much anxiety. It would keep me in. It would make me not want to do anything. It would just – I was always scared of what's next, you know? Like, what am I going to get next? Um, and so, um, yeah. So – I don't know I kind of just like dealt with it and the way I dealt with it during college and high school is I was so busy I was not I had no free time if I had free time I would have a mental breakdown because I would actually have to sit with my feelings so it was just like go 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 all the dang time I would do extracurriculars I would do I'd have a couple jobs I would have school like all these things and I wouldn't have time to think about anything. So it was perfect for me at the time. Um, but I was still going to counseling. Um, I, in college is when things started to get really bad for me though. Um, I was struggling a lot in relationships and feeling a lot of guilt and like struggle with sex, um, and feeling like I owed people sex and, Um, I had so much anxiety dating people and I would literally be like have like this most amazing partner and they would treat me great and then after two months of dating I would have this huge mental breakdown and I would not be able to continue dating them and I would shut down and just like have to break their heart and it was so hard because I broke so many hearts. But it wasn't because of them. It literally was like, it's not you, it's me. Like, (laughs) it was for real. (laughs) And I didn't know it was happening. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I keep cycling through these same things. Like, I kept, like, seeing all these patterns. I'm like, what is happening? So um, uh, I guess, I don't know, college was just really hard for me. I had so many anxiety attacks, so many mental breakdowns. And it was literally, like, I'd have one giant anxiety or uh, mental breakdown once a year. It was like scheduled, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um just because I never allowed myself to process these things really um just briefly in counseling, but it was always just like, cool, counseling back to just ignoring all my problems. Yeah. So, um yeah, I don't know. Uh coming out of college, I got into a relationship That was very codependent. Very toxic. And now at the time I did not know. Actually not until this past summer. I didn't realize like how abusive it was. Um, And. uh, Looking back on that. I. Just see. Like I was in the worst places. I've ever been in. And like it makes so much sense now. Because I was with an abuser. So um And I just, I knew something was wrong the whole time, but like, I didn't know how to get, out. but it wasn't even that it was like, I wanted to be in it too. It was, I don't know. So I, I could totally relate to like abusive relationships when I see them on TV and like hear people talk about it. Cause I'm like, yep, you just ignore it. You look at the good things and like, oh, it's tough. But, um, at the same time, this was, I think I was, um, 22, I think, um, my cousin passed away very traumatically, uh, 20 years old. And, um, it was a re-traumatization for me. I also was in this abusive relationship, so it was like this double whammy of mental health just smack in my face. Um, and I had a horrible, 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 um, time dealing with my grieving. Um, and I, my anxiety was incredibly, like, not, I could not control it. Like, I was living with my parents at the time, and my parents would have to check my car before I got into it before I could go to work like they'd have to check it I and walk me out to my car and like close the door I'd lock it instantly and then double check behind me because I felt like something was with me and then like I'd have to sing like happy birthday like and like count backwards and like sing out loud in my car for me not to like have a panic attack and like I I don't know. Like everything was a struggle for me. I couldn't fall asleep. I couldn't do anything. And um, it was really hard. And that was like my way of dealing with this like re-traumatization of like what happened to my cousin. And he passed away in nature and nature was my safe haven. And I now had this negative relationship to nature because it scared me. And I'm like, okay, well, I can't, I can't have a relationship with you anymore because you stole my, you my cousin for me and my family. So that was really hard to deal with and um, definitely re-traumatized me and my anxiety was horrible. Um, And then kind of like a year after that happened, I started um, noticing these like severe itching tendencies that I have. Um, That's like one of my OCD tendencies. And I I like started to notice it then, but then I kind of re- reflect back in my life and I've always used itching as kind of self-harm and a way to deal with what I've gone through. So like, in even now I'm like noticing like all my mosquito bites I have on my body, I've like itched to the, like, so like this is one <laughs> like literally, like I've itched it till it bled. Yeah. And um, I just like literally itching is my way of dealing with my anxiety and uh, PTSD. And unfortunately, um this was brought on by some, like kind of I don't know. I don't know. I've always tried to like link it, even though with OCD you're not really supposed to. But I n- I don't technically have OCD. I have OCD tendencies from my PTSD. It's so it's incredibly
2: common with people yeah, who have
0: PTSD for sure. Yeah. And I um, unfortunately, where I was itching was not a comfortable place, and I actually itched that spot for three years over three years straight. Um, and it started with when I was with my ex and, um, it was horrible and (laughs) like looking back to like, I don't, I guess I can save this for the other episode, but literally like I just felt so much shame around what I was doing and blame and stuff like that. And like, thankfully I went into remission, I think last year, um, I have had some slip ups, uh recently because my mental health has kinda gone to shit recently. Um, but I'm staying strong. I'm trying to like feel like it's gonna be okay. But um yeah, back when I was struggling really bad in that relationship and also like dealing with my cousin's death, um, I definitely had suicidal thoughts. I know I think like I'm that person who I know deep down inside I would never do it, but I was so close, you know, mm-hmm. and thinking about it scared me you know I've never ever ever had experience with thinking about it I would listen to my friends I would listen to my partners who have experienced it and I'm like I cannot relate at all but I have had in a car literally I feel like when you guys were saying that I was like yep um in a car and I'm like how easy would it be for me to just end everything right now all my pain would go away and um it's so sad like it's sad that you can get that low you know and um (laughs) I don't know. I'm like trying to reflect and it's just like all blurry, but recently things have been tough for me. Um, this past year, almost a year, um, a lot has changed in my life and, um, I don't know. I, I'm that person who I feel like when I'm good, I'm good. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm still going to counseling and I'm doing good and all that stuff. And then like the past, like two months, I've been really not good and I feel like I've gone back in my healing and I've gone, I just have so much like shame around it. I just, I feel like I'm broken again and like, but it's not linear. Like, you know, so I got to keep reminding myself it's okay to not be okay right now and I have to keep reminding myself that, but it's so hard and it sucks that like my depression is really bad right now and it's like so beautiful outside and i'm like stuck inside don't want to do anything nothing makes me happy like nothing like so that's where i'm at right now and it sucks and i kind of just like really quickly breeze through my history but i feel like another episode with like the sexual abuse and stuff would be really good but yeah that's fine yeah Yeah. i don't know so ptsd is a bitch and not only military people have it it's yeah real and um scary and hard but yeah making it through (laughs) yeah journaling helps um i also do i still see that counselor i have gone breaks without it um so like a year ago i had like the year and a half before it i took a break for like a year and i was like i don't need this right now and i was totally fine with it because after i got out of that relationship my mental health literally improved so much because i was in a healthy relationship with my boo
2: yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, just tried to wink. I just want to point out that he winked obviously. with, like, one eye, and then the other eye followed real slow, like a Harry Potter <laughs> wink. <laughs> <laughs> if you've <ever> I was <laughs> trying to
1: go back and forth, but it obviously <laughs> was not a good idea. It backfired.
0: <laughs> 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 um, but I also do see an energy healer as well um, via Zoom, and I love it. I love it so much. So if you're looking for something else, kind of more energy healing, um, hit me up because mm-hmm. he is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's like a little snippet of awesome. my experience. But yeah. this is definitely our longest episode, and that's totally fine. <laughs> um, Sorry, y'all. It's fine. You can listen on multiple occasions. So yeah, I think that's a wrap. I do want to end with. Um, some resources so for if you're if you need help in a crisis and you want to text and not call you can text nami n-a-m-i to seven four one seven four one for our folks who are listening who are part of the trans community um, there is the trans lifeline and it's amazing the hotline for the united states is eight seven seven five six five eight eight six zero and for Canad uh, Canada, for Cana- <laughs> Canada, why can I say it? <laughs> um, I know eight seven seven three three zero six three six six, and then a suicide hotline is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five, and that's the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So, and you can reach out to us whenever we're open books. We also can be support systems if we're in a good spot. So if you need some support, some resources, we're always here for you. We love you so much. Thank you for listening to us. Love you all.
2: Love you. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye.